I live in Europe, and it's incredibly easy to travel here. By bus, train or plane, I can be in any other European country in a matter of hours, for pretty cheap. But while I'm in other countries, I still want to check my emails, check my YouTube analytics and all that fun stuff. Well, by using Surfshark VPN, I changed my location to France using one of their 3200 plus servers, and I'm no longer annoyed by thousands of emails from Google freaking out saying, Oh my god, there's a computer in Spain trying to hack you! There isn't Google. It's me. And thanks to Surfshark, I'm no longer bothered by these annoying messages. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan, and log into all your accounts anywhere with zero hassle and no annoying emails. With continual development in technology, hackers and cyber criminals are getting better and better at installing viruses and hacking your electronic devices. We've all had antivirus software, but your run-of-the-mill software just isn't good enough anymore. With Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you have antivirus scans and real-time virus protection, but you'll also have access to a VPN. You'll be protected from targeted ads and tracking. You'll be notified if your data gets leaked by data brokers. And most importantly, it's incredibly easy to set up and use. If you feel like your online protection should be better, use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today and feel safe every day on your devices. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic English audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. This podcast is brought to you by my store. I will publish all my audiobooks in podcast format here, but if you really want to support me in making these, or just want to listen to them when disconnected from the internet, then you can buy my audiobooks for five bucks at theessentialreads.myshopify.com. The link will be in the description. Let's get started. The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Chapter 8. Friday Night. The most extraordinary thing to my mind, of all the strange and wonderful things that happened upon that Friday, was the dovetailing of the commonplace habits of our social order with the first beginnings of the series of events that was to topple that social order headlong. If on Friday night you had taken a pair of compasses, and drawn a circle with a radius of five miles round the working sandpits, I doubt if you would have had one human being outside it, unless it were some relation of Stent, or of the three or four cyclists, or London people, lying dead on the common, whose emotions or habits were at all affected by the newcomers. Many people had heard of the cylinder, of course, and talked about it in their leisure, but certainly did not make the sensations that an ultimatum to Germany would have done. In London that night, poor Henderson's telegram describing the gradual unscrewing of the shot was judged to be a canard, and his evening paper, after wiring for authentication from him and receiving no reply, the man was killed, decided not to print a special edition. Even within the five-mile circle, the great majority of people were inert. I have already spoken the behaviour of the men and women to whom I spoke. All over the district, People were dining and supping. Working men were gardening after the labours of the day. Children were being put to bed. Young people were wandering through the lanes, love-making. Students sat over their books. Maybe there was a murmur in the village streets, a novel and dominant topic in the public houses, and here and there 
a messenger, or even an eyewitness of the latter occurrences, caused a whirl of excitement, a shouting, and a running to and fro. But, for the most part, the daily routine of working, eating, drinking, sleeping, went on as it had done for countless years, as though no planet Mars existed in the sky. Even at Woking Station and Horsell and Cobham, that was the case. In Woking Junction, until a late hour, trains were stopping and going on. Others were shunting on the sidings, passengers were alighting and waiting, and everything was proceeding in the most ordinary way. A boy from the town, trenching on Smith's Monopoly, was selling papers with the afternoon's news. The ringing impacts of trucks, the sharp whistles of the engines from the junction, mingled with their shouts of, Men from Mars! Excited men came into the station about nine o'clock with incredible tidings, and caused no more disturbance than drunkards might have done. People, rattling Londonward, peered into the darkness outside the carriage window, and saw only a rare, flickering, vanishing spark dance up from the direction of Horsell, a red glow and a thin veil of smoke driving across the stars, and thought nothing more serious than a heathfire was happening. It was only round the edge of the common that any disturbance was perceptible. There were half a dozen villas burning on the Woking border. There were lights in all the houses on the common side of the three villages, and the people there kept awake till dawn. A curious crowd lingered restlessly, people coming and going, but the crowd remaining, both on the Cobbin and Horsell bridges. One or two adventurous souls, it was afterwards found, went into the darkness and crawled quite near the Martians, but they never returned. For now and again, a little light ray, like the beam of a warship's searchlight, swept the common, and a heat ray was ready to follow. Safe as such, that big area of common was silent and desolate, and the charred bodies lay about it all night under the stars, and the next day, a noise of hammering from the pit was heard by many people. So, you have the state of things on Friday night. In the centre, sticking into the skin of our old planet Earth like a poisoned dart, was this cylinder. But the poison was scarcely working yet. Around it was a patch of silent common, smouldering in places, with a few dark, dimly seen objects lying in contorted attitudes here and there. Here and there was a burning bush or tree. Beyond was a fringe of excitement. And farther than that, the inflammation had not crept as yet. In the rest of the world, the stream of life still flowed as it had flowed for immemorial years. The fever of war that would presently clog vein and artery, deaden the nerve and destroy the brain, had still to develop. All night long, the Martians were hammering and stirring, sleepless, indefatigable, at work upon the machines they were making ready. And every now and again, a puff of greenish smoke whirled up to the starlit sky. About eleven, a company of soldiers came through Horsell and deployed along the edge of the common to form a cordon. Later, a second company marched through Cobham to deploy in the north side of the common. Several officers from the Inkerman barracks had been on the common earlier in the day, and one, Major Eden, was reported to be missing. 
the colonel of the regiment, came to the column of the bridge and was busy questioning the crowd at midnight. The military authorities were certainly alive to the seriousness of the business. About eleven, the next morning papers were able to say a squadron of hussars, two maxims, and four hundred men of the cardigan regiment started from Aldershot. A few seconds after midnight, the crowd in Chertsey Road, Woking, saw a star fall from heaven into the pine woods in the northwest. It had a greenish colour and caused a silent brightness like a summer lightning. This was the second cylinder. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review and follow the podcast. It really helps it get in front of more people, which is my goal. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.